Satan sometimes slanders you. Sometimes he accuses you. He, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us before God day and night. Did you know there were different crowns available for believers in heaven? Find out how the message Jesus had for the church of Smyrna is so timely and relevant to us today. Now, Pastor Paul and the Word Mission Church International family. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My Lord and my God. And thank God the weather cooled down a little bit. So um, I changed my dressing and got back to my normal dressing. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory be to the name of the Lord. All right. Let's turn our Bibles to... So for those joining us for the first time, um, in this season, we are looking at the various churches in Revelations and seeing what the message that God gave to them all those years back, how it applies and is relevant for us today. And I pray in the name of Jesus that by the encounter of God's word, may your life not remain after, the same after today. If you believe that, say amen. amen. My Lord and my God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The word, Lord sent a word, it lighted on, on Jacob. He sent his word and delivered us from all our distractions. All right, let's get into our Bible lesson this morning. Revelations 2.8. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This morning, we are looking at the church of Semena. He says, and to the angel of the church in Semena, write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Glory be to the name of the Lord. Are you ready? There's a lot packed in here. Now, it says to the angel, and we talked about this, to all these churches, the word used there is the word angelos, which is really a, means a special messenger or one sent with a, with a special message. And he writes all these letters to really, and, and there is, in, in that particular case, he's talking about the pastor of the church. And it's interesting that when God wants to speak to all these churches, he didn't speak directly to the churches, but he sent the message through the pastors. It's very interesting, very, very, very significant to know that. And then he says to the church in Semana, let me give you a little background about Semana. They were, they, were, they were not very far from Ephesus. So Bible scholars believe that it's either the apostle Paul went there and planted the church himself, or he sent some people there to plant the church. Either way, this was a church that was established in, in that city. And he says that this, he says that this thing says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. When he says I was dead and came to life, he's saying that temporarily I was dead. And again, it meant a lot to these people because these people were suffering persecution and some of them were being put to death. So he was giving them a hope of the resurrection. He's saying that, look, I am not dead. I am alive. Shout it one more time, Jesus is alive. Say one more time, Jesus is alive. Say one more time, Jesus is alive. Say one more time, Jesus is alive. It's coming back to me. We don't serve a dead God. Jesus is not dead. He's alive and doing very well. 
<laughs> and he's sending a message to you this morning. I'm not dead. I'm alive. I'm not nervous about whatever is happening. It's getting close to my second coming, but I'm not dead. Other religions, the God that they serve, they are dead. Their tombs are dead. But if you were to go to the tomb of Jesus right now, it is empty. He's not dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory be to the name of our Lord. Then he says, I know your works. That word works there means I'm observing you. I know. That word really know means that I didn't get the information that I'm sending to you secondhand. I know you personally. I've been observing your activities. God knows each and every one of us personally. He knows us. I know God loves the whole world saved and unsaved alike but when you personalize it and you get to the place where you realize that God knows me as an individual he knows my ups and downs he knows the things that I go through it, 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 it takes on a different meaning God loves the whole world but God loves me and he loves you as well and sometimes I feel like he loves me more than everybody else <laughs> and then you come up with that argument he loves you more than everybody then we can keep going at it <laughs> <laughs> but God knows you. He knows you personally. He knows what you are going through. He knows the things that are on your heart. Then he says, I know your work. That word works there means in the Greek, really talking about your activities, the things that you are doing. Then he talks about tribulation. He moves on and talks about tribulation. I know your tribulation. And that red tribulation also meant a lot to these people because what those people, the way they were persecuting them, is what they'll do is, is, is they'll they will have um, they'll have a big boulder and put this put somebody underneath and tell that person to recount their faith. And as they were doing it, they kept lowering down the boulder with the intention that if you don't recount your faith, it were going to crash you. And so that word tribulation that it means it stands for a severe test, a severe trial with the intention to put pressure on you. And sometimes in life, it feels that way. It feels like you are under intense pressure. And, and, and I pray in the name of Jesus, in this season, no matter what you may be going through, I pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus says he knows your tribulation. He knows the test. He knows the trial. He knows you, the things that you go through. But he's saying, I'm not dead. I'm alive. Then he goes on to tell these people, and I also know your poverty. Now, without getting into the semantics of the Greek, there are two words mostly used for poverty in the, in the New Testament. Now, when this, in one case, when they use that word for poverty, it, talks, it, talks, it, it references someone who was so poor, all they, 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 could, they could have was like, uh, like now they will call it like a minimum wage or the wage of a slave. But he's saying, when he say, talks, use the word that he uses here for poverty, it's unique to them, it's extreme deprivation. And what was happening in Semena was they had trade guilds. And these trade guilds, you could only get a job in Semena if you belonged to those guilds or like a trade union. And when they went to these trade guilds, the first thing that they did was that they will set up and um, they will acknowledge a pagan idol and, 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 and worship that idol. And after that, they will get into drunkenness and then sexual orgies and all, 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 all these things. So the Christians were under severe pressure. 
For them to get a job in Semena, they had to belong to that trade guild. And if you didn't belong to it, then you couldn't get a job. So as a result, because they couldn't get a job in that, in that town or in that city, Jesus is saying, I know your poverty. You've come to poverty, and because the Christians said, look, we, we cannot do that. We cannot, we cannot compromise. We cannot, I mean, for the sake of Christ and for the sake of a job, come to join you and worship idols, get drunk, and do all these evil things so you can take your job. We'll go, we'll, we'll, we instead, we'll instead go, we had rather be poor than do that. So this kind of poverty that he's talking, the word that he uses there is, is, is total deprivation. You either join the group or you are sidelined. And sometimes in life, we go through life where we have to make a decision. We have to make a choice. If you are watching or listening, maybe you are a youth. And sometimes because of the choice or the decision that you have to make, you have to even lose your friends. You have to lose the company you are in. Sometimes in your in a family, when you make a decision to, to stay true to God, uh, you, 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 you may get sidelined. Sometimes at work, people are making dubious, doing dubious things, and you say, no, I can't do that. Sometimes you get sidelined. Sometimes you get kicked. Sometimes, whatever happens. But so he says, I know your, your extreme poverty because of the stand that you have made for me. I know the pressure that you are going through. You either join this trade union or trade guild to get a job, or you do without it. And it was, it was, it was like a body system. And so if you don't belong there, the new, when a new opportunity comes up, they will give it to some, somebody else. This is the kind of situation that these people, are, these people are in. He says, I know your poverty. But then he goes on to say, you are rich. You are really, really rich beyond anything that you can think about. And you see, you see, the thing is, because of what they were going through, they clung to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of what they were going through, they clung and support each, supported each other. Sometimes the pressures of life, you, when you go through a season of difficulty, you can make a choice and a decision that you draw away from God or you can say in this season, even though I may be going through this, I'm going to draw near to God and to the people of God. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, no matter the pressure, no matter the test, no matter the trial, may your relationship with Jesus Christ become closer than ever before. With all that is going on in the world, may you know God than you have ever known him. May you draw closer to God than ever before. If you believe that, say amen. We trust you're being blessed by this Word Mission Church International message. We are conveniently located here in Colorado Springs, and we look forward to meeting you in person soon. Text us at 719-235-5535 with any questions or for prayer. Visit wordmissionchurchinternational.org for more life-giving messages. Learn about our famous kids' church, Lion and Lamb series. Connect with local or foreign missions. Like Word Mission Church International on Facebook to get notifications for live stream. Subscribe on YouTube and even watch live on www.wordmissionchurchinternational.org. 
Let's continue this insightful message. When he says you are you are you are rich, he knows exactly what he what what he, what is what he's referencing and what he's talking about. Now, in the new in the New Testament, there are several places where he talks about riches. And you see, when he talks about riches, not just financially that he's talking about. I mean, for these people, they were poor from a natural standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint, he was saying. That they are rich. Let's go through through them through them real, real quick. Fifteen things, areas in life where we can be rich. Number one, we can be rich in heaven. Matthew six twenty, and Luke twelve thirty three. He talks about the fact that lay your treasure, make investment eternally, rich in heaven. Ask yourself in this season, if Jesus was to come, what investments have I made eternally? Number two, riches. Of fellowship. We see that in Acts 20, 32. Acts 20, 32. Mark these verses down and you can reference them later. We, we may read a, a number of them. Then we talk, he talks about number three, riches of God's kindness. Now let's read that one. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Romans 2, 4. The riches of God's kindness. He says, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? The goodness of God, the riches of his goodness. My Lord and my God, I serve a good God. You serve a good God as well. He is rich in his goodness. He is rich in his kindness. You may be going through a difficult time from a natural standpoint, but you can account on the goodness of God. Notice four that we talk about the rich. He talks about the riches of God's power that's on the inside of us. Second Corinthians four seven. Second Corinthians four seven. The riches of God's power inside us. Five, riches of a liberal spirit that works among us. We see that in Second Corinthians nine ten to eleven. Second Corinthians nine ten to eleven. Six, he says, talks about the riches of God's glory. The riches of God's glory. Ephesians one eight, Philippians four nineteen. And Colossians 1.27 reveals that to us. Then 7, he talks about the riches of God's mercy. The riches of God's mercy. Let's read that one. Ephesians 2.4. Ephesians 2.4. Notice this. Ephesians 2.4. My Lord and my God. He says, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, with which he loved us. The riches of his mercy. If God were to give each and every one of us what we deserve, where would we stand? But he's rich in mercy. Oh, he's rich in mercy. When his great love, wherewith he loved us, may the mercy and the love of God overwhelm you in this season in the name of Jesus. Then he goes on in that, in that same Ephesians, he talks about the riches of his grace, Ephesians 1 7 to 8, and in Ephesians 2 7, right there, the very next couple of verses is that in the ages to come, Ephesians 2 7, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The exceeding riches of his grace. Then he goes on to number nine, uh, nine. He talks about the riches of Christ in Ephesians 3 8. Then 10, the riches of fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2 1. 
11, there is the riches of the saints and their partnership in the ministry of the gospel. Colossians 1, 12. Then 12, there is the riches of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 2, 2 to 3. The riches of wisdom and knowledge. Then 13, there's a riches of a good foundation laid for us in the future. 1 Timothy 6.19 Then 14, there's the riches of faith. James 2.5 Let's read that one. James 2.5 James 2.5 Notice this. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He says, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world, notice this, to be rich in faith, and as of the kingdom which he promised, notice, to those who love him. He's chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith. That is the destiny, the destination he has for the poor of this world. And he says, as of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. So the love question has to be settled. But he has destined. For them to be rich in faith. You can be rich in faith. I pray in the name of Jesus in this season. May you draw close to God and through his word. May you be rich in faith. If you are rich in faith, you are really rich. <laughs> my Lord and my God. <laughs> Thank you Lord Jesus. Then 15, there's the riches of eternal reward that are imperishable in heaven. Vast riches laid out for us. 1 Peter 1.4. 1 Peter 1.4. So, so I, for those who are capturing... I'll go through it real quick again. Riches in, rich in heaven, two riches of fellowship, riches of God's kindness. Okay, rich in heaven, Matthew 6, 20, Luke 12, 33. Riches of fellowship, Acts 20, 32. Three riches of God's kindness, Romans 2, 4. Riches of God's power inside, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Five riches of a liberal spirit working among us, 2 Corinthians 9, 10 and to 11. Six riches of God's glory, Ephesians 1:18, Philippians 4:19, Colossians 1:27, seven riches of God's mercy, he, Ephesians 2:4, eight riches of his grace, Ephesians 1:7 to 8, Ephesians 2:7, nine riches of Christ, Ephesians 3:8, 10 riches of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, Philippians 2:1. Riches, 11 riches of the saints and their partnership with us, Colossians 1, 12, 12 riches of wisdom and knowledge, Colossians 2, 2 to 3, 13 riches of a good foundation laid for us in the future, 1 Timothy 6, 19, 14 riches of faith, James 2, 5, and 15 riches of eternal reward that are imperishable in heaven, 1 Peter 1, 4. Somebody said, Pastor, slow down. If you didn't get it, get it from the recording. <laughs> <laughs> thank you lord jesus so when he says that these people are rich there are so many other things that they were rich in even though they were being denied of riches from a natural standpoint he says i know your poverty but yet you are rich i pray in the mighty name of jesus may you start to build up riches spiritually May your relationship with Christ be closer than ever before. When you do that, the natural will take care of itself. May you, may you in the name of Jesus, the, in, in this season, oh, draw closer than, to God than you have ever drawn to him. 
The apostle Paul got to that point. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection be made conformable unto his death and unto his likeness. This church in Semina was very poor from, and it was citywide. They were, they, I mean, for, 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 for those people, they were going through a great test, a great trial. Let's keep going here. It says, and I, but I know that you are rich. And he says, I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. You see, it says, I know the blasphemy. It means, to, I mean, they were blaspheming against these people. And in Smyrna, what was going on was that the, the, the issue was these people, there were certain Jews, and the, they believed, and the, the whole city had a pagan worship. And they believed that if something bad happened in the city, let's say there was an earthquake, there was a famine, there was a, anything bad that happened, it was either a group of people that were responsible or some an individual in the city that was responsible, and that's why the gods were punishing them for that. So the, 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 the Jews did not believe that, but because the Christian, because the church was increasing and growing, and many people were coming to the Christian faith, they incited the people in the town against them, and they'll go around and say, do, do you know why your crops failed this year? Do you know why this earthquake is happening? Do you know why this famine is happening? It's because of those Christians. Whatever they are doing have made the gods angry, and that's why these things are coming on us. That's why this disaster is coming on us. So these, 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 these people were not true Jews. Jesus called them a synagogue of Satan. And, and, you, and you see, they came again, and so gradually the town turned against the Christians. Intense persecution. Sometimes it feels, and you see, one of the, the meaning of the word Satan is someone who accuses, someone who slanders, and he does it persistently, persistently, he keeps persistent, persistent. Sometimes a rumor starts about it, and you don't know where it's coming from. There is someone behind it. And so as a result of that, these people were going through an intense persecution. And there was the, the bishop of, of the church there was, was Polycarp. Polycarp was, I mean, ordained by the apostle John, it's believed. And then later on, he became in charge of all the churches that were around. One day when Polycarp was 86 years old, these people, I mean, actually, they were killing people in the stadiums and, 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 and around. So, so one day, while they were, were doing all that, one of the people shouted. He was the top figure in the city. They said, shouted, that is, that shouted, kill Polycarp, kill Polycarp, kill Polycarp. You see, you may say that I'm not facing an intense trial like these people are facing. But, but you see, the thing that you are dealing with today, you will see the message of Jesus to these people. So when they came to Polycarp, they, they said to him, at the age of 86, they came to his house and they said, Polycarp, you have an option to deny your faith. You know when they came to his house, what this, what, what this great, great person in his love and mercy did? He threw a table for them and gave them something to eat and drink. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. And then he started testifying to the, about Jesus. Then at the end, he said, Jesus has been faithful to me. I will be also be faithful to him. I will not deny his name. I will not deny his name. He held on to his faith. In the midst of difficulties. In the midst of hardship. In the midst 
of all that was going on, he chose to love the people and not only love them, but he said, I'm not going to deny my faith. Satan sometimes slanders you. Sometimes he accuses you. He, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us before God day and night. He accuses the people of God. And the goal of all that he's doing is to crush you. Oh my Lord, I've jumped ahead. Polycarp said, I'm not good. They, 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 they ended up burning him at the stake. But there was something miraculous about his death. You see, when the enemy comes against you with pressure, it feels like a boulder is coming down. It feels that there is pressure. We trust you were blessed by this message. To listen to the entirety of this message, search for Word Mission Church International on YouTube. There you can subscribe to never miss another sermon. You can also listen to the entire series on our YouTube page. On Facebook, find Word Mission Church International. Connect with us for live prayer sessions. On wordmissionchurchinternational.org, we invite you to take advantage of amazing resources. Simply text RADIO to 719-496-4930. Connect with us and receive Christian resources like scripture prayer cards, free book download, and more.